0: Good morning, welcome to the Mr. Elton Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Montram. It's Monday, November 26th. I'm here to talk about the Redskins loss on Thanksgiving Day. It's my happy little pilgrim, Matt Turrell.
1: Ah <laughs> uh, yes, that's how I'm often referred to. How you doing, Jamie?
0: Um I'm good. You're neither happy,
1: you're not particularly little. You're pretty sure you're not a pilgrim. This is, this is true. None of those things are true about me, and yet, in spirit, I am all three of them.
0: Um, I'm kind of bummed out because it's Monday morning, and I uh, don't want to go back to work. Uh, so even though I like my job, don't get me wrong, love the job. Uh, and also, like this Redskins game was pretty depressing, and I put it out of my mind before it was even over. And now we have to relive that.
1: Yeah. I want to, I want to give uh, shout outs to not only the people who really have to do it, like the, the real media who covered it and, you know, JP and the NBC sports, Washington podcast crew who did their podcast immediately, but like Burgundy blog, getting a podcast up on Thanksgiving night about that debacle, oh like those, that is, that is so much more dedication to this team than I feel at the moment. Uh, I really admire it. Shouts to them.
0: Yeah. It was a big bummer. Um, it was like, you know, you're having a great Thanksgiving. You're pretty, you're pretty deep into it by the time this game gets underway. It's four thirty, on Thursday, and it didn't really go well. Like from the from the start, it was like, you know, this is probably going to be a loss. And then they, they threw up some fight and kind of got back into it. In in the second half, it was like it was just kind of disgusting, like a disgusting effort and performance. Uh, where I think I was out front playing football with the boys uh, like my sons and nephews with the -the glow-in-the-dark football like maybe with 10 minutes left in the game something like that
1: yeah uh, it was it was less inspiring to watch than the old broken-down dads in my backyard playing their Thursday uh, their Thanksgiving you know turkey bowl game Um, that 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 gave me more joy to watch than the Redskins game did so where do you want to start uh, I mean, you got to start with Colt McCourt, right? I mean, that, that's got to be the story. It's the offense, which is where you routinely start. And I don't know what else there is to discuss. I mean, this season is turning into a referendum on, you know, a cautious quarterback play versus, uh, you know, high-risk, high-reward quarterback play. And so far, caution seems like the much better thing for this Redskins team.
0: So you don't think that this high-powered Redskins
1: offense can overcome three interceptions? It, strangely, I don't. Um, I'm not even sure they can overcome three interceptions if they were taking away three interceptions as well. Right. They they just didn't look good. McCoy, I mean, we have to cut him at least some slack because if I understand correctly, he had literally no practice um, in the week leading up to the game. Right. Um, so, you know, okay, but I, I don't know. I didn't feel like most of his mistakes to my untutored eye were mistakes that were a result of you know miscommunications or lack of knowledge or lack of practice it just felt like the kinds of throws that he sometimes misses or that you know the risks that he sometimes takes did you see it differently
0: yeah I mean he just it seems like their success is always going to be on the margins I mean it felt like this with Alex Smith too where it's like you know if, if everything breaks right we're going to get a guy open and like a pass will be lobbed in for a completion and and like that's like best case scenario. Nothing ever
1: feels threatening, at least not in a good way.
0: <laughs> and, and I don't know. It just feels like everything has to break right.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and that's especially disheartening to watch after you know what was it last Sunday night's game? When was that? You know, eighty five right. to eighty four Yeah, the, the Monday night game. Yeah, Monday. That's right, it was the Monday night game. And it, it's like you watch these teams around the league and the high scoring offenses and how fun football can be to watch, Uh, and there's just none of that here. I I have to admit, I came out of this game being like, you know, just blow it all up. Mm -hmm. Like, start over from scratch. Who cares? Keep the defense, you know, obviously. But it's not like there's anything showing up on the field that I'm like, okay, you know, maybe the wheels are off this year, but you take that into next year on the offensive side of the ball, and, man, maybe we've really got something going. It just feels like – Nothing on that well, side. Well, I'm ball.
0: still not out on this year. Like, if they can squeak out three wins, if they go three and two down the stretch, that's maybe probably enough to win the division. So I'm not like out like oh this year's done. But I think even if they win the division or if they go zero and five down the stretch, it's like the, the approach to the off season is probably the same. Like there there has to be a major uh, reclamation project underway here that touches all phases of the roster except for maybe like. Two two units on the defensive side.
1: Yeah, I mean, anything short of a an eagles style miracle Super Bowl run, and I think you have to be considering wholesale changes. Um, even if they do, and three and two is viable. I mean, as as moribund as this team looks, the the Eagles look bad. The Giants look, you know, they're getting better, but they're beatable. I, it's, it's certainly possible, but I, I don't know. I just. I don't know, do you want them to make the playoffs at this point, or do you worry that that will give them a false sense of security and, and keep things the same heading into of next year? Of course season? I want them to make the playoffs. I love that about <laughs> you. You you maintain uh, joyous enthusiasm at all times, even when I get all, well, from a practical standpoint, cranky and depressed, And but maybe the best well, would so be. I
0: think the key difference is between you and I is you want Gruden gone, and
1: I don't necessarily want Gruden gone. I, if wanting Gruden gone is too much, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't actively want him gone. I'm just not convinced that he should stay. Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, I want, more importantly, I want,
1: like, a real GM. You
0: know, I don't want Bruce Allen to be calling all the shots. And I don't think that's going to change, win or lose. So
1: I just want them to make the playoffs and that will give me at least some moment of joy. Yeah, I mean, in, unless we make the playoffs and get boat raced by Minnesota of all teams with Kirk Cousins oh, God. in the first round. I mean, yeah. like, is that really going to bring you a small modicum of joy?
0: Well, I'll be able to say that we are division champs all offseason yeah. long. But isn't, isn't that just the winning record of 8-7-1 and one all over again? I don't know. I mean, I've got to see, like, this Cowboys fan neighbor of mine that always has this look on his face of superiority. Is it Jason Garrett? No, no. But he wears like a a elaborate belt with like 18 different devices attached to it and a headset. No, I'm kidding. Um, The other (laughs) aspect of this loss that really sucked was that it was to the Cowboys. And they're like so happy. You know, they've won a few in a row. And like the Amari Cooper deal, which I think was still idiotic, like paid off huge against the Redskins. Uh, Yeah, I think that that uh, just made uh, it that much more depressing.
1: Agreed. And there's been this narrative after that game about the Amari Cooper deal where I keep hearing people say this, like, oh, man, you know, it seemed like a terrible deal, but now it looks like that pick is going to be closer to, you know, 18 to 20 than 12 to 15. So now it seems like an okay deal. And that is just mind-boggling to me, the idea that, you know, a six-spot difference in the first round. Somehow validates the decision. I just that that's strange. Also, the did you happen to see the gloating shot of Jerry Jones in his box that they did? Oh
0: man, I could barely take it between like the images of the Jerry Jones box and then like like the the Tiger versus Phil experience on Friday. I almost overdosed on rich whiteness.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, tis the season for that, right? <laughs> um, I. I don't know, man. The Dallas loss is bad. I'm hoping that we get some form of uh, of makeup on Thursday night because I believe Dallas plays New Orleans on Thursday night. But the the flip side to that is if if they stay hot and they beat New Orleans, I mean, they're going to be insufferable. Your neighbor is gonna yeah. he's going to actually turn into uh, whatever the guy's name is, Jerry Jones. Here's or the thing that I like.
0: Said. I still don't think Dallas is good. I think Dallas is in the same boat as Washington. You know, like I don't think that they're going to like break off a long
1: winning streak or whatever.
0: Um,
1: Well, here's where I see here's where I see the difference, though, is that I I think that uh, Jason Garrett is kind of Jay Gruden esque in that, like, I think sometimes he's good enough to win and sometimes he's bad enough to lose, and rarely is he the deciding factor in a game. But they have a young quarterback, they have a young superstar running back, they have a wide receiver who. I don't know. He's better than Josh Doxon. Um, I don't know. They, they have – I can imagine if I'm a Dallas fan and they stumble down the stretch thinking like, man, but next year we're coming in and we're ready to go. They've got, what is it, Van Der Ash on defense? Like, they're in a good spot. Yeah. I don't see – I any, mean,
0: I, I'd yeah. rather have the Dallas roster than the Washington roster. Yes. But I just yes. mean like present tense. Like, they're not much better or worse, I think, than the Redskins. I think they're a very comparable team. I mean, the two splits in the past month or month and a half, whatever it was. So that's not like crazy to say, but yeah, I mean, I'd rather have their defense overall because they do have a pretty excellent defense. And then you've got a quarterback alone, you know, you're set up really nice,
1: at least with Prescott
0: being like an average to good quarterback who's young.
1: Yeah. Uh, And, and cheap still, although that may only be for one more year. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I definitely thought this game was a bigger morale shot than I expected it to be. Even though I was, I, I was worried about it, I didn't think I was going to leave feeling this down on the Redskins. Yeah. And
0: I do. Well, it's really tough when you've got two losses in four days, five days, whatever it was, you know, like that. They just went from That's six true. and three to six and five without a quarterback, <laughs> like before the week was even over.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I guess that part of it, too, is you, we, you had the hope, which I talked about pretty openly last time, that, like, maybe Colt McCoy was going to come in and throw the ball around and, and the offense was going to score a bunch of points and it was going to be more exciting. Uh, and I guess that could still happen, possibly. But, yeah, there was just a lot of reasons to be demoralized. But what, what brought you joy? What are you thankful for from that game? Anything? I mean,
0: first of all, I don't know how it ended up being a one-score game. Like, the, the score is very generous uh 31 to 23 like because again i watched all the way up until it was over you know like i mean by in practical terms it was over with like whatever 10 minutes left mm-hmm. and it did not feel like a one score game <laughs> like it was it felt like a blowout um it gives me a little joy to say like the houston game at least was like kind of a coin flip yeah it was a loss but at least they didn't play bad and it was still kind of a toss-up and, that, and houston's a good team and then the Dallas game, like, they play shitty, shitty game, you know? And, and hopefully that's, you know, uh, playing with a few days' rest. You got your back-to-quarterback with no reps. You're on the road in Dallas. And hopefully there's an aberration, I guess. That, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it, like, sunny side up. Like, the team is still 6-5, and five, tied for first going into December, has five games left against teams that are more or less around 500. Like... This is about what you would hope for for the Redskins coming into the season. So, why aren't we
1: happy now? Well, I mean, I'm not happy now because I'm a miserable human being who brings gloom and depression everywhere I go. I don't know what your excuse is. Um, who who do they play next week? I'm totally blanking. Philly on Monday night. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I mean, so that – I feel like we've said this the last three weeks, but that's, that's the season right there. Right. If they come out in Philly and look terrible, um, again, that's, that's a problem. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's a big one. I mean, like, cause if they, if they win, and this is what I felt like going to the Dallas game, like if they win, they're set up really nice. If they yes. lose, it's an uphill struggle. Um, yes. so if it's at Philly, which, which bothers me, uh, on Monday night, which also bothers me, uh, Announced by Jason Witten, which really bothers me. And if they if they win, they'd be seven and five with four to play. I think they they have to go like basically two and two in those last four. If they lose, it's six and six, and they probably have to go three and one. Yeah, I mean a big swing. Big yeah, swing on this game. Huge
1: swing. I mean, I because I, I feel like they basically if they need to sweep Philly, I feel like to really just to. to if they sweep Philly and get into the playoffs, I'll feel like they fully earned it. They really, like, didn't get in by the back door. Um, if they split with Philly and a whole bunch of other things start to have to happen, then it feels like another one of those years where it's like, hooray, Arizona lost, so we're in. Or what, you Well, know, I whatever. feel
0: like if they split with Philly, the route to get in is they beat Jacksonville and the Giants.
1: Both winnable games. Or,
0: like, even split with Jacksonville and Tennessee. You know, like as long as they split with Philly and split with Jacksonville, Tennessee and beat the Giants, I think they're in at nine and seven. Now I have to look at Dallas schedule to say uh, how tough that is for them. Like, where, are they going to get to nine wins? Because um, right now they're at six and five. And here's the Dallas schedule. They they host New Orleans and Philly. That feels like a split. They go on the road to the Colts. The Colts are playing really well. Uh, bit of a coin flip. They host Tampa Bay. Sounds like a win. And they go to New York, which, I mean, anything can happen. But that's the last game of the year. The Giants probably aren't playing for anything. That's probably a win. So I, I think Dallas is going to get to nine wins, too.
1: Yeah, it definitely feels that way.
0: I'm not um, sure what the tiebreaker is since they are one and one head-to-head. Is it conference record? Is, I thought it was division, it division record. record? It... Okay. So I don't know. Yeah, I could this be wrong. to be fun for the listener to hear us
1: look at playoff scenarios five or six weeks out in deep detail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but what else do we have going on? you really want to talk about the defense disappearing again? Because I'll be honest, I kind of don't.
0: All right, so this just in kind of bad news. The Dallas is 3 and 1
1: against the division. Uh the Redskins are 2 and 1. Right. So then you need we basically need Dallas to lose to Philly and the Redskins to sweep Philly. Mm-hmm. Um uh and that's assuming that both those teams can beat the Giants, which is um, I suppose no guarantee I don't yeah, know yeah I mean <laughs> the Redskins just need a win real bad <laughs> they need, to, be, they need yeah. to win at Philly uh,
0: otherwise I think we're going to stop looking at playoff scenarios and start looking at like
1: oh this looks like a Jim Zorn season one you know type of season yeah and then you start thinking I've already started thinking about what head coaches I would, I would be even vaguely interested in <laughs> who have you uh, is Hugh Jackson on the list Absolutely. I mean, he just got Cleveland a hell of a win this week. Um, uh, admittedly, it was by being on the other team, but he, he still got them the win. I, I the, My my front runner right now, and I'm trying to think of things that I think would be realistic and make sense. Like, you could consider Byron Leftwich off the strength of a half a season's work as offensive coordinator, but he does have D.C. ties. I know he has relationships with the organization. Um, it gives you a young guy and it gives the, you an offensive mind.
0: Who is he mind. the O.C. for right now?
1: Um, who do you call it? He took over because they fired um someone is it is it Arizona? Someone fired their offensive coordinator and installed him. I'm pretty sure it's Arizona.
0: Okay. All right. Sounds like a strong candidate. Um, yeah,
1: it's great. I mean, well, we have to be realistic. Like you think they're gonna be able to get one of the hot college candidates or somebody, assuming they get rid of Gruden. I mean, my top choice right now is so dumb that I'm loath to even say it, but It sounds like something that Snyder would believably do. I say go ahead and make Cooley the head coach. Cooley? Cooley. (laughs) That would be be amazing. It would be so Redskins. And yet, it would be oddly exciting and energizing. Yeah,
0: but here's the thing. Like, when you talk about firing Gruden or firing whoever as the Redskins head coach, is, like, who are you going to replace him with? Because I remember when Gruden was hired, we did a thing on Mr. Irrelevant, which was, like, the head coaching like matrix of like all the available candidates from top to bottom. And we asked people like Bill Barnwell and Michael David Smith and I don't know, some other people, Will Brinson, maybe like basically like help us rank these head coaching hires. Like if you're the owner of the Redskins, and you can get anyone on a like a one to five scale. Who do you want? And Gruden was like right in the middle. He was like a 2.75 or something out of five, but he was the only like realistic. He was like the best realistic candidate. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, it's, it's always on a curve. It's not like, Oh, we're going to get rid of Jake Gruden, Gruden and we're going to get the next Sean McVay or whatever. It's like, we're going to get the Jake Gruden, give rid to Jake Gruden. And then we're going to get like the third or fourth guy who maybe could be the next Sean
1: McVay. Which is literally why I'm, I'm even remotely advocating for this stupid Chris Cooley idea because a, he was a Sean McVay disciple. He was one of the first people to tell me how brilliant McVay was. Um, he also, uh, you know, when you listen to his podcast, like, the thing I like that he talks about is he's willing to do sort of uh, outside-the-box things. And, we, and he'll describe them in detail, and you're like, yeah, that might totally not work, but at least it's approaching the problem from a different angle. And the last reason I bring it up is because it genuinely sounds like a sort of idiotic thing that they would do and then be made fun of just brutally league wide. So it sounds like believable to me, which, which is why I'm even willing to engage in it, even though it's a stupid I mean, idea. I'd,
0: I'd love for that to happen. Uh, and it's obviously it's kind of like a, a, a reach, but is there is there any,
1: has he expressed any desire to get into coaching? I'm not, I'm not aware of it. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll make on the, on his podcast, I'll make half, you know, Half joking comments about it. I think that he doesn't want like the grind and all of the uh, you know crazy stuff around. I think he'd probably be more likely to maybe be a coordinator at most. But no, I don't think he has any interest whatsoever. I think he's pretty happy with the gig he's in. Is the vibe I get listening to him?
0: Um, real quick, I'm looking at the Redskins head coach hiring approval matrix that I published on December 30th, 2013, <laughs> and uh, Jay Gruden fell into the quadrant of likely and good so he was high on the likely scale He was a 3.0 on the good scale out of five um just ahead of him on the good scale was mike zimmer currently with the uh with the vikings uh but there were some other guys in here that were on in that matrix that were like not or not really have, have gone on too much of anything greg roman daryl bevel ray horton ken Wisenhunt. Uh, by the way, in the likely but bad quadrant, your old soul brother Danny Smith.
1: Ah, I love that guy.
0: <laughs> he was he was very high on the likely scale. I think that was likely to take the job.
1: Did, was it this week or last week when the Steelers ran a uh, a fake field goal touchdown? It, it was, was this we, week. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. God, I like that guy. I, uh, unbelievable. This is where we. This is where we part. This is. This might be. Of our many divergent opinions and approaches to life, this might be the biggest.
0: Uh, just a couple other notables: um, John Gruden was very unlikely, but rated as better than Jay Gruden. Um, uh, yeah, in
1: hindsight, that doesn't sound right. Bill O'Brien was very
0: unlikely, but rated as very good.
1: What was he coming off of at that point? Was that was he, I think he was Penn with Penn State? He was still with Penn State kind at that of like,
0: re, You know, brought. Bill, uh, brought Penn State out of its nightmare situation, at least from a football program standpoint.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this year. I mean, so we're, we're going to be five years since the last one of these matrices, which sounds like the correct interval of time. Um, really, yeah, you know it's you I, know I, what's I, wild?
0: It's five years ago, just under five years ago. Um, McVeigh's not even on here. Like, we weren't even talking about him. And by we, I mean, I was just, like, grabbing, like, every coach who had been mentioned as a candidate and like he wasn't even on the list well i mean he was like 12 years old well Uh, yeah uh, but he was he was on the staff i mean danny o'brien or i'm sorry danny smith is on the list but i mean you know McVeigh was on the staff
1: yeah well but McVeigh at that point was he the offensive coordinator uh
0: not not the oc he might have still been titans coach
1: Yeah, I don't know, man.
0: All right, I'm I'm going through the comments now. This is back when people made comments on blog posts. It's pretty pretty remarkable uh, (laughs) behavior. Oh, my gosh. Here's somebody on December 30th, 2013. Chris Cooley is making a late run to get the job. He's breaking down game film, grading players, and talking about how a head coach just needs to delegate to the right coaches.
1: is that me who wrote that somebody
0: well it could be you the username is darkest heart
1: uh yeah no that's not me i i stopped using that username when i was 15 so somebody Um, would be
0: right in line with the owner's gimmick hires
1: yeah so all right so credit to dark heart or whatever who came up with the exact same dumb idea i did for the exact same dumb reasons fully five years earlier um I, I guess I just poached it. Okay, and the
0: final word goes to uh, Mr. Irrelevant commenter from 2013, Wicked Pixels,
1: who says, S-S-D-D, same shit, different December. Yeah, nailed that one. Oh, but speaking of Mr. Irrelevant, we should talk about the one minor bright spot on the Redskins on Thursday, um, which was, in fact, Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, that's good, right? Unbelievable. Yeah, he did the, the dance from The Office, which I didn't
0: recognize as a dance from The Office.
1: No, nor did I.
0: Yeah. Um, But yeah, he had five catches, not that many yards, had a nice punt return. He's exciting.
1: Do you feel uh, a special kinship to him because of your association with the term Mr. Irrelevant locally?
0: Well, I would say this. This is pretty funny. We're sitting around watching it, and, uh, you know, he makes a play, and my mother-in-law is like, who's that? And I was like, oh, that's uh, Trey Quinn. He just started playing for them, like, last week. He was the last pick in the draft uh, in April. And she goes, oh, so he's Mr. Irrelevant. And I was like, blown away. She was like, she connected that that that's who he was. Like she had an awareness of that term. Uh, This is not a big sports fan.
1: I feel like if if it were five years earlier, if it were a different time, it would really, you know, we'd really be trying to make Trey Quinn the the sort of face of Mr. Irrelevant for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, it shows, it shows just how far our interest in this sort of thing. Has well, fallen. when
0: we first
1: launched the site uh,
0: or, or moved it to WordPress, we put like a big banner on top, like a, a piece of artwork that uh, we had this guy, Matt from 289 design put together for us. And uh, it, it was like, the direction was like, okay, pick out a player that's like draft day it's like a notable player he's kind of standing there with Goodell, like holding up his jersey he's got the hat on but uh, like kind of do like a punk rock like black strip over his face and and like instead of his name on the back whatever his name is like just put on the back and that player that was chosen by 289 that sat atop our site for like 10 years was adrian peterson was it really
1: That is an amazing bit of trivia that I never knew. I love that. Odd coincidence. By the way, Peterson, either he had no
0: room to run and or just was not making room on on Thursday. I mean,
1: I think he averaged like two yards a carry. Yeah, well, I mean, like he does much of the time, he looks like you would expect him to look based on his last year and given that he's playing behind a patchwork, you know, injured, exhausted offensive line. Do you think there's Uh, any more
0: magic in the moonlight for, for AP? Like, in, this past uh, five, in the final five-game stretch?
1: Oh, I'm sure something will whip him into shape.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> I was thinking of you, actually, over the week, whatever, the long weekend, the holiday weekend, because Bleacher Report, uh, Master Tesfazian, did a story on Peterson. And I guess in that story, Peterson revealed that, like, he still, I don't know what, spanks, whips, whatever he does to whips. the kind of corporal punishment, his, his son. Yeah for his children um so that was in the story and it was like kind of the breakout headline but it was like way down in the story so then there was like a kind of journalism uh you know pissing match on twitter about how that story was constructed and like how could that not be the lead <laughs> yeah you know? uh, anyway i found it i found it all to be somewhat interesting
1: yeah i found it deeply off-putting um that he still does that if any vague um, affection for him that I had managed to develop over the course of the season immediately vanished, Uh, not just because he still whips his child, although I view that as reprehensible, but because he's still talking about it, like, good God, have some common sense, man. (laughs) Just don't bring it up. And if somebody asks you about it, be like, no, or what I do in my house is none of your business, and I'm really offended that it's become so, or whatever. Just like, do not be like, hell yeah, I whip my kid. I love it. Like, what are you doing?
0: Adrian Peterson has never done anything to make me pause, reflect,
1: and question the pride that he has in himself. This is a very, very, very good point. He is supremely confident in the rightness of everything he does.
0: Uh, I think he still thinks he's the best quarterback in the league. I mean, running back in the league.
1: (laughs) Probably quarterback as well, if we're being totally honest. So basically anything else he says, just, you know, view it through that lens. That's a very uh very fair observation to
0: me. All right, we've got uh a long break between games here next Monday night. Uh it's a big one.
1: Yep. Let's uh let's hope we're both cheerful next time.
0: There's also I'll just mention it here on our pod in case like the four people on our in our audience wanna to, wanna to cross streams. I might be attending the Redskins Talk Podcast party, which I think is the end of next week. Like December sixth or something. Really in Rockville? Uh, yes, yes. I, I'm not a definite, but I might be there. I might be there on breaking tea business. Um, but you know,
1: love to see you there, Matt, and anybody else who's out there, uh, say hey. I may very well be there as well. It's being in Rockville. Uh, it is, you know, literally in my old my old stomping grounds and not too far from where I now live. So it it gets harder and harder for me to say that I can't be bothered to show up. If you're going to hold an event in Montgomery County.
0: Yeah. I, I have zero interest in going to Rockville. I'm sorry to
1: Rockville Ian's Rockville. I can't picture you in Montgomery County. It feels just totally wrong. (laughs) I, I don't, I don't think I've ever even seen you, uh, it, yeah, no, I may have seen you in Prince George's County at the stadium, but I don't think I've ever seen you in Montgomery County. Maryland. I have this
0: aversion to Rockville specifically because my dad worked there for like 30 years and we lived in in Dunloring, like Falls Church, slash Vienna, Virginia. So he was just like in traffic for two plus hours a day, every day going to and from Rockville. And uh, I think the whole family, the whole Mottram family just has this
1: disdain for Rockville as a result. Well, in hindsight, we should do some sort of weird time travel parent shop because I lived in Rockville and my dad worked down in northern Virginia at various places because he was, did construction. Yeah. So he was all around. But uh, yeah, just think how different our lives would be, mm. Jamie. I know yeah. I could I could identify as a Montgomery County resident it would be crazy. I will be the British Lindsay Lohan and you be the uh, American Lindsay Lohan in this scenario. It'll be very exciting. Oh, by the way, speaking of uh, movies like Parent Trap, where you've got
0: one actress playing two roles, uh, the I think Netflix Christmas season movie uh, Princess Switch, you'll want to watch that with your children. (laughs)
1: Well, this is this is maybe the tenth time I've heard about this in the last week, and why? What? What? I mean, it's tell just me more wildly preposterous. <laughs> preposterous,
0: like identity. You know, like uh, you know, here's a here's a young baker from Chicago who's going to switch, uh, you know, places with like, I don't know what she is. She's like the princess of like some made up con- European country, like a small country, who is marrying uh the prince of England. <laughs>
1: So they switch places. Um, <laughs> yeah. That seems that seems strange. Who plays the double role it's, in it? Uh, Vanessa Hudgens. Oh wow! Wow, she's still around. That's fascinating. Yes. Sure, I'm <laughs> in. By next time, I'll have watched it.
0: the other. Uh, and then my friend Ruby uh Edmondson at the Ringer, she did a, she did a story that was like 45 questions you definitely should not be asking while watching the Princess Switch. <laughs> it's just all all the plot holes. It's wonderful. Um, the other one we watched was Christmas Chronicles, uh, where Kurt Russell plays Santa in a new Netflix film. And uh, I went to find a review of it after watching it with my children. And I, found, I think the one I found it was on Vox. And the Vox review was something like the Christmas Chronicles, where Santa can get it.
1: <laughs> well, I... I... Now have a full watch list, and we can have a very special episode if the team totally goes off the rails, where we break down these exciting Netflix Christmas. Movies.
0: I just want you to keep in mind, dear listeners, that uh, these are Christmas films recommended for children between the ages of my own, which is four and ten. I don't want any critical, uh, you know, reviews out there for
1: adult men. This is not this is not for you. It's for them. <laughs> I will, uh, I will get after it. My mom is one of those people who just watches the Hallmark channel on infinite repeat this time of year. Um, so my kids, when they are at her house for some reason, will occasionally get sucked into those. So this, this sounds right in their current wheelhouse. Yes,
0: and my wife has watched the, some of the Hallmark stuff,
1: and she is like, this is basically that for children. Yeah, well, I mean, the Hallmark stuff makes me want to literally eat glass. <laughs> so I look forward to trying this out. Um, All right,
0: man. Well, Kurt Russell and Santa can get it. And uh, we'll be back after next Monday night's game, win or lose. See you, Matt.